Good morning and welcome. This morning I am going to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Before I do that, I just wanted to just briefly comment about what is going on in the United States um, with the death of this man caused by the police and the response of people, um, the riots that are taking place as a response to this. Uh, John Piper uh, has sent out an email. He's the pastor in in Minneapolis. He's right in the middle of all of these events. And he sent out this prayer. Um, it was quite long, but it is really centered around this one verse. And that verse is Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 7. The verse says, And seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives. And pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof ye shall ye have peace. And that's really all that we can do as Christians at this time is turn to God who is ultimately in control of what happens on this earth. And if we pray for the peace of the cities that we live in, Um, that is the only way that we're going to have peace ourselves. And so um, I just encourage everyone to be in prayer over these events and over all that's going on in the United States and that that, um, somehow through all of this, God would reach the hearts of people. So anyway, um, I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 6 this morning, verse 1. Uh, I'm going to read to verse 6. It says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men, to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret, himself shall reward thee openly. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. My question is, is our Christian faith supposed to be a private or a secret matter? I can remember... um, as a young man, talking with various people uh, about um, our faith and what we believe, and various people would would say things like that their faith is a private matter, that it wasn't anyone else's business what they believed. And so they would claim to be a Christian, but they don't announce that to other people. They don't try to push that on others. 
And is that what Jesus is teaching in these verses? That our faith should be private? Should we keep our religious views to ourselves? Or does Jesus have something else in mind when he's saying to do these things secretly? It isn't that I think anybody listening would um, think about their faith in this way. Um, perhaps, though, it is helpful for us to talk through these things and to think about these things so that we're established in our faith and that we're better prepared to answer others when they present these kinds of ideas to us. I know as a young man, I was not prepared to answer. I didn't know how to respond when people said these things to me. So sometimes they'll even use scripture passages like these ones to support their false doctrines. And we need to be able to respond to that um, and to know what these verses are trying to teach so that we aren't fooled when others use them incorrectly. <clears throat> now, Jesus was abundantly clear about um, this in, in passages such as in Mark 8, verses 34 to 38. I'm going to read that. It says, And when he had called the people unto him, with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Let's be honest. Anyone who says that their faith is a private matter is really just saying that they're embarrassed to admit that they're a Christian. They don't want to receive the ridicule from other people for what they believe. So this is Jesus' response to those people. If you're ashamed of him, he's going to be ashamed of you before his father. Jesus also said in Matthew 10, verse 33, But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. I don't know about you, but I don't want Jesus to deny me or to be ashamed of me before God, before his Father in heaven. But that's how Jesus feels about those who want to keep their faith a private matter. Those who don't want to admit to their friends or their co-workers that they believe the Bible, that they're a Christian, that they don't share the worldly atheistic views of those people. People who think Christianity is a crutch for weak people. People who think that science has made belief in God obsolete. There's no question that people will sometimes mock us or treat us poorly because of our faith. But that is exactly the point of what Jesus is saying. 
things haven't changed from Jesus' day to ours. It's always been hard to be a Christian. At least for us, we usually only receive verbal ridicule. Many Christians throughout history have, and even in many parts of the world today, risk their lives for what they believe regarding Christ. Jesus makes it clear that we're not to worry about what others think, say, or do to us. Sorry about that. I didn't realize I had to have my ringtone turned down as I was recording. But anyway, we're not to deny our faith in him. We are not to be ashamed of him. Our faith is not to remain personal and private. In fact, it goes beyond just not denying Jesus. We're supposed to publicly declare him to the world. The Great Commission, as we call it in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, tells us to teach all nations. That's pretty all-inclusive. In the book of Acts, in the very beginning, it's teaching them to, to start in Jerusalem and through Samaria and then spreading abroad. And that's the example that we're given to start in our own communities, in our own neighborhoods, with our own cities, teaching and preaching Christ to the world. When the Apostle Paul was teaching the Corinthian church about their responsibility to witness to others, in First Corinthians, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 to 20, he says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ, is what Paul says in these words. It's our job to bring people to Christ, to to repair the relationship between humanity and God. That's the job that we as Christians have been given. We are ambassadors. We're supposed to bring Christ and represent Christ to the world. We can't do that if we're being private about our faith. Christianity is not a passive, personal, private religion. Christianity is supposed to be a public declaration of what Christ has done for us and what he has done for the world and what they can receive through that. There's nothing private about it. Our faith is intended to be the most public aspect of our lives. So why does Jesus, in Matthew 6, teach to pray in a closet? Why does he say to be secretive about our giving? 
thinking back to the the story of Daniel, it still doesn't seem to match. Uh, in chapter six of the book of Daniel, uh, there's a story of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den, which is a very popular Sunday school story. <clears throat> I'm just going to run through it relatively quickly here. And just looking at the, the details of that story and the setting of that story is in the time when God had allowed Israel to go into captivity for their disobedience and their worship of idols and false gods. And during this time of captivity, many of the captives of not just the, the Jews, but of the different other nations that had been gone into captivity with them, um, some were selected to rule over the others in service to the king, which was at this time Darius. Daniel was one of those rulers that had been selected, and he was well favored because, as in verse 3, it says he had an excellent spirit in him. Just uh, even as a servant, as a slave, in, in captivity, Daniel had a positive and excellent spirit. He uh, had a positive outlook on life despite his circumstances. And he was well-liked by his superiors, but he was hated by his peers. Verse 5, we see his peers conspiring against him, saying, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. This was not that they could find him guilty of breaking God's law, but rather that they must make it illegal for him to obey God's law, in which case they knew that he would continue obeying God, no matter what the local government law said, and that they could find him guilty of breaking a rule if, if that was the case. That in itself speaks volumes about Daniel's character and his public profession of his belief and his faith in God and of the Bible. We would be doing well to have a reputation like that. The people would know that they would not be able to find anything to accuse us of aside from our faithfulness to God. So these conspirators went before Darius using his own arrogance and pride to convince him to pass a decree that no one could pray to any god or any man couldn't ask a petition of anybody besides him for 30 days. And the penalty for breaking that was to be cast into the den of lions. And so he passed this law. Um, verse 10 carries on. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chambers towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Think about that. All Daniel had to do was close a curtain and no one would have seen him praying. If he did what Jesus was suggesting in Matthew chapter 6, he would not have been caught breaking this law that had been passed. But Daniel refused to hide 
Daniel would not compromise. He had done this exact thing prior to this decree prohibiting his prayer, and he knowingly, openly continued to pray to God, knowing that he would be seen, knowing that he risked imprisonment and death. And of course, those who had come up with the plan to catch Daniel breaking this law lined up outside of his window and watched him do exactly what they knew he would continue to do, which is kneel down before God and pray. And so Daniel is arrested. He's cast into the lion's den, much to the disappointment of Darius, who liked Daniel very much, but he couldn't break his own decree. And so in verse 20, after Daniel had been tossed into the den, he'd spent the night in there, Darius comes and he says to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Again, look at Daniel's reputation. He's known, even by the king, for serving God continually. And the king knows that this God that Daniel serves is the real thing, the living God, not just some statue, some idol, a carved image, but a living and powerful God who can close the mouth of a lion. And that's exactly what God did. Daniel answers from inside the lion's den, saying in in verse 22, My God has sent his angels and has shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. And Daniel's released from this pit of lions and those that conspired against him were brought and thrown in and devoured by the lions. So the question is, is Jesus contradicting the lessons that we've just learned in Daniel about God's blessing Daniel's open and public worship of God, his open public prayer, his refusal to close the curtain when he went to go pray? I should think that the answer is an obvious no. This isn't Jesus contradicting that or refuting those lessons. But that does leave us with the question, if everything else in Scripture teaches us that our faith should be public, not secretive, why is Jesus teaching us to do these acts of worship secretly? We need to look at the context of this and think about what Jesus is saying and why he's saying it to get that answer. And the context, again, is found back in uh, chapter 5, verse 20 of Matthew. And that reminds us that all of this that's being said is in relation to the lack of sufficiency contained in the righteousness of the Pharisees. That verse says, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, sorry, of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's 
the attitude of our heart that Jesus is concerned with as he's speaking here. Within these verses, he's clear that it's the hypocrites that do these things to be seen of men. It's in our nature to seek recognition, to seek the praise of people. And so just as it's wrong for us to hide our faith from an unbelieving crowd, it's equally wrong for us to try to appear more spiritual in front of the religious crowds. In Matthew 23, Jesus gives instructions to people to observe the teachings of the scribes and the Pharisees. But then, at the same time, he warns about following their example, where they go out of their way to be seen, looking spiritual, seeking honor, seeking the higher seats at the feasts, and and seeking the recognition, the public recognition, for the religious acts. So it's not that we should not pray publicly. It isn't that we should hide from the world the fact that we're actively seeking and serving God in our lives. But when we start to take pride in these things, when we make sure that others take notice of us doing these things so that we look spiritual, Our hearts or our motives are wrong then. Our worship becomes hindered and the blessing is lost through the praise of men. This is why we use a system of, in our offering of these numbered envelopes to collect our offering. So as the people that are counting the offering... They don't know who gave uh, what they're counting. Um, They don't see how much each person in the church gives. All they see is a number, and they count an amount, and they enter the the amount with the, the number. And it gives anonymity to those who are giving, and it keeps that separation so that those counting can't form opinions about the people in the church who are giving, some giving more and some giving less. We don't, we don't always know the situations for the different people in the church. Sometimes we have impressions that one person might be wealthier than another and should be giving more. And if we saw those things, we would start to form opinions and judgments in our minds. And we might end up glorifying one person in our mind or lifting them up, giving praise to them for the amount that they give, even though they haven't sacrificed near as much as another person has done. And so we just need to be careful in the way that we do these things. And that's why we have this anonymous kind of system for giving. God knows what each one gives. And he knows the motivation for the giving. The true value of the giving isn't measured in the volume of it, not the amount, 
But in the sacrifice and in the heart of the giver of what they their desire is to to be a blessing, to be a help, to give what they're able to give. And that's what Jesus taught <clears throat> as he watched this widow woman put in her her two mites into the, the treasury and Jesus commented to the others standing around him that others had given out of their abundance, their excess. But this woman gave all her living. She was sacrificing more, even though she gave less, she sacrificed more than anybody else had. And therefore, God would bless her more because of the greater sacrifice. It's not the volume, but the sacrifice that God was looking at. The, the gift and the heart behind the gift. And that's something that only God can see. And that's what Jesus is getting at. That God is more interested in our desire to give and, and to serve him than he is in the volume of the gift. God is more interested in the sincerity of our prayer than whether or not anyone else is aware that we're spending that time. So within the context of the righteousness of the Pharisees, whose righteousness was there to be seen by the people, by the religious crowds, Jesus is teaching that they need to establish their relationship with God in private to avoid the praise of men for their acts of worship. Not that they should hide their belief in God and keep that to themselves, but just not to receive praise from men for their outward acts of worship. And we need to display our faith to the world. But in doing so, we need to be careful that we don't get filled with pride, and start boasting about our own righteousness. It can be a difficult balance. And Jesus demonstrated that balance perfectly in his daily life as he walked and talked and taught the people. He prayed publicly. He did healings and teachings. But remained humble and very gracious never boasting or demanding recognition, often telling people not to go and spread abroad what he had done for them, but to keep it secret. He wasn't seeking attention and recognition. He was simply caring for people and living out the exact life that he was teaching others to do. So hopefully we can find that balance of spending that time in prayer, spending the time reading our Bibles, giving what we're able to give, sacrificing maybe some of our own desires to be able to give and support and help others and help the ministry. But at the same time, to not make a public show of it, to not announce to others how much time we spend in prayer and how much giving and how much sacrifice we've done. Because as Jesus says, when we do those things, we lose the reward. 
we receive the reward from the praise of men and we lose the blessing from God in doing that. I just trust that uh, you would be blessed through our time again this morning um, as we've looked at this word. I hope that this has been a help in some way. And so I hope you join together again next time. Thanks for joining me. Bye now.